This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in my home and is the other person who is on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you? (laughs) That question really shouldn't take me by surprise. (laughs) Every week. And yet... Uh, I'm a lot better today uh, than I have been many times. You know that, uh, I I think I've made this joke too many times, but that could be the podcast. How are you? A little bit better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that's uh, that's actually what the podcast uh, topic is about. We've been oscillating yeah. back and forth between kind of wrestling with some of the big ideas that are going on in our world right now and having some uh, fun escape. We've talked about Star Trek and the Mandalorian recently. Uh, I said that quickly as though that was a combined thing. There is not yet <laughs> a crossover show called Star Trek and the Mandalorian, but maybe he is trekking across stars. Yes. So, Yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk about uh, staying political. It is something I am obsessed with. There's been a ton of conversation uh, about it. Uh, There's a ton of conversation starting like about a week before the election. This is a little bit where this came from. And then as I thought about it, our topic matter went to some more really specific immediate things uh, of literally this week (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the coming weeks. But I saw a couple of prominent People on Twitter who I like, admire, agree with, making the joke. And I think they meant it as a fun joke to keep people motivated of like, get out there and vote Trump out so I can go back to making dumb jokes about X. And they really, really meant it well, Mm -hmm. I I think. So I don't mean to criticize uh, anybody who has seen those tweets or done that tweet. But to me, it's like, I just had this incredibly strong knee-jerk reaction of, no, opposite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's do the fun tweets, but let's also stay political so that we can just generally push toward a better world. So talking about politics does not become as uh, uh, sort of verboten uh, or something that only happens every two to four years or if there's an enormous crisis. Like, I don't want it to be that, well... This guy kind of danced right toward the edge of a fascist takeover of our democracy. Woo, saved it. So now back to paying no attention to what's going on hmm. is, a, is a scary thought to me. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's kind of where I was coming from with this. Uh, I want to stay political, even though it's scary to do. Uh, and I want to find ways to make it less scary to myself. So that's, I think, where my obsession is coming from with Yay! this topic. Therapy podcast. Therapy podcast. Yeah. Uh, So what are your just general out of the gate thoughts on the general topic of staying a little bit more in the political mind frame? Yeah. I mean, I I think um, that it's really important to stay um, just for me. I will I will speak for myself. Um, I also want to stay more more engaged, more political. I think um, throughout the last four years, I have learned a lot about how many things I didn't know. And um, despite the terrifying reasons for why I was learning them, I found the learning of them interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to say it. (laughs) Right? We've talked about before. I like learning. So I feel like um, (laughs) I would like to keep learning about it and keep, I feel like this is, this is the time. You know, we, we do what we can in the moments of crisis. And I feel like we, we, we did have a moment of crisis. We might still be having a moment of crisis, but um, but the real work and honestly the real change 
happens in the in-between. Right. And I want to be part of that. I want to watch other people be part of that. Um, and I want to encourage as many people to be part of that as possible because I feel like that's that's when we get get the best outcomes for the most people is when people are involved. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for myself, I have definitely been guilty of paying a lot of attention in bursts and then having that feeling of like, well, this candidate won or that candidate won or that issue is resolved. And now the wheels are back on. And so I don't have to pay as much attention. Mm-hmm. And I want to take responsibility for that of realizing that the wheels being on the vehicle of politics is just the start. Where the wheels are pointing, <laughs> you know, and how much influence you can have over them and really having an opinion about the level of nuance. Like, you know, we might have, uh, from a Democratic point of view, we might be getting to that point where we can get maybe, 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 and I, this is a huge asterisk, we might be getting back to that point where a lot of people agree that we need to address the problem and now the discussion is how do we address the problem? And I want to be more of a part of that as well. Mm-hmm. So I think for myself, when I am talking about staying political, it means just trying to invest more time. Yeah. Like as as the horror show began, like uh, the I think the day after Trump's election, I tried to research for myself. How exactly does the 25th Amendment work? How exactly <laughs> does impeachment work? So I knew because... You know, I had those emotional reactions. You just want to scream those things. And like, but that's not helpful unless we know exactly how. Yeah. And you can strategize why, you know. And uh, issue after issue, I spent more time engaging and reading about it of like, can he do that? Uh, You know, (laughs) (laughs) and I want to take that same energy, which I have. And maybe people listening have been much more politically active than myself. I'm taking responsibility for myself uh, that I want to be up on issues. And a part of that is just. Don't just read the headline, read the article as a life philosophy Mm. (laughs) and taking the time, even if it becomes like, okay, I've been really busy this week. So I set aside two hours on Friday and I read up Mm -hmm. And you know, I think the the dangerous thing about politics is we we have to use storytelling uh, to tell the story, to get people on our sides. It becomes a little bit of a game of headlines and yet really do have to read the details in multiple people's takes on the details before you re- in some of it like uh, uh i think the end goal of like what policies are we going to do how are they going to shape people's lives hugely important incredibly mm-hmm. fascinating the nuts and bolts details of well maybe this senator is going to compromise for this reason that you then have to go research that other reason about why they'd make that cut con- like that stuff can get you in the weeds yeah but that's the stuff that i think i need to just set aside time to spend more time in the weeds Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that's partially what I mean by staying political. Yeah. And then from just my perspective as somebody who is, you know, a a writer, comedian, make jokes on social media, uh, have podcasts that are mostly comedy and pop culture, or they used to be. (laughs) This one's, uh, yeah, a little bit more political lately. Uh, There has been such a long term sort of um, the customers always write wedge that people use against uh, actors or comedians or entertainers to say, your job is to make me laugh. I'm your customer. That's what you're there for. Don't bring up politics. Mm. And there's that part of me that feels still feels nervous with every political tweet that I'm going to 
lose followers or accidentally say the wrong thing and deeply offend people. And like, I, I always want to be careful and, and all that stuff. But there, I feel like there's this been this pressure to politics are, you know, a incredibly sensitive, gentle thing that you don't speak about. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started this podcast, the idea of doing whole podcasts that are about politics would be like, no, never come on. <laughs> uh, and I think that that there's a little bit of that's how, uh, certain ideologies win is by convincing people to stay quiet. And I want to push past any fear or any concern and say, I want to be more vocal. Mm-hmm. And hey, maybe I'll get something wrong and I'll learn something if somebody corrects me. Or if, you know, I choose to say something and somebody else chooses to unfollow me, that's kind of like fine. Cause that's, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like that's the place we got to get to of. There is freedom of speech. There is not freedom of responsibility for speech. So I say what I mean. Mm-hmm. I support what I believe in. And if you don't support it, bummer for me, but walk away. Because yeah. you're not going to change my mind necessarily, maybe, but you're certainly not going to stop me from speaking out about things I believe in by threatening to leave. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, or I'll offer the other alternative of, Stay for the content you like and maybe ignore the content that you don't like. Yeah. Hey, that's another great, <laughs> another great solution. If, as long as I, you know, it's not, I know you, none of your content is going to be actively encouraging harm toward others. Uh, so I will encourage that, that caveat as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this entire podcast is practically a caveat as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. All deeply personal stuff that we're working through. Deeply personal stuff about being public. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, do you have any thoughts about what staying political means to you? Oh, I mean, that's such a good question. And you've just laid out so many interesting ideas. And I admit I got kind of uh, distracted by some of the specific um, uh, terms. Like you were talking about immediately after Inauguration Day. Like how many of us honestly, truly, general public, knew what a moment's were before i did I not. certainly didn't i think i had this uh, just vague idea that yeah of course a president can't be making money off of being president but exactly yeah. how that works where it is in our government how it is backed up you know yeah, yeah no we had a terrible terrible time learning that lesson yeah and we're yeah. still not done with it right and so i feel like um you know so it's kind of it's both like okay well what other things do we need to learn do we need to learn now do we need to take action on now which things which things are important to us individually. Um, and I also, this is, this is semi-related um, when you talk about the deep dives is I've seen at least a few people push back about all the um, kind of uh, voter fraud allegations, but more specific, the, the like, I don't like that that's how this works system. And um, at least one, uh, maybe state attorney general, maybe secretary of state put out a statement basically saying, um, I can't remember if it was an official statement or not, saying, we have been providing this information for months. Mm-hmm. If you chose not to read it, that's on you. Yep. And I just feel like, yes. Like, that made me so happy to see and to read, to read it. Ha <laughs> uh, But just that that feeling of, like, all of this information is there. We can figure this out. Um and so I think your your conversation about, you know, spending your time on Fridays researching just made me think about that of like, yeah, I want to choose to be a person who's read these things or who has conversations with people who have, you know, 
worked in polls or who have gone door knocking or people, you know, like have those conversations um, and learn more about the nuts, nuts and bolts reality of it. Yeah. Rather than, um, I think to me, that's part of what's important rather than just kind of the more ethereal, like, I, I, I love the idea of the concepts, but also what is, what's the nuts and bolts work that gets it done, whether it's trying to change things or whether it's the actual process of, you know, all of us have learned a lot about how you open absentee ballots. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but I kind of feel like that's a thing that would be great if we all knew. And a lot of us will not forget after, you know, having Steve Kornacki explain it to us multiple times. <laughs> but I feel like that is a good part of being an informed citizen. Yeah. And I think that's maybe part of where for me it is, is both staying politically active, but also wanting to um, do my part to be a more well-informed citizen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sounds, those are great points. Yeah. In, in the bullet point of how to stay political, politically active, two things that you really highlighted is advocate actions, mm-hmm. because I think that is a slippery slope of, uh, of social media of it's great to make a joke or it's great to just, yell something but it, it's been amazing in the run-up to the 2020 election how many people that i used to be frustrated about like you have a massive platform and you just tweet zinger after zinger finally became a hey go read this or go sign this petition or if you're if you're in this state watch out for this problem and mm-hmm. i feel like that's great advocate concrete action Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, uh, since we all do spend a lot of time on social media, uh, and don't all have time to be an absolute political expert, you know, which is, I think one of the kind of the, the, uh, dangers of our country of like, we don't, <laughs> it's, it takes a lot of time to be a basically informed citizen, yeah. um, to add, to identify people who you really trust. I've got a mm-hmm. couple of, um, social media, uh, Facebook friends in particular, um, and, and Twitter who are experts. It's not just like, Hey, I like this guy's take. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's th- these are people who are experts. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is helpful, a helpful sort of shorthand to go, what, what does this person who is a legitimate expert think? Right. Yeah. 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 Identify your experts. Identify your experts. Oh, we're killing it with the bullet points. <laughs> uh, I want to talk a little bit about as we're recording this here on Sunday, November 8th. Is that how time works? That is how time works. We are recording this on Sunday, November 8th, 2020. It was yesterday uh, that the election was called for Biden-Harris. Let's talk a little bit about yesterday and just uh, uh, being political in that moment. Yeah. Uh, How did you feel about that Biden-Harris victory? What sort of emotions did you go through? What were your reactions (laughs) to that day? So many, so many that last night, what I uh, told you, not in front of microphones, but I'll say it again now, is that I felt like I had an emotional hangover because there had just been so many emotions. Um, Yeah, I mean, first, like, I mean, happiness, but honestly, relief. Yeah. Like, I did not realize how much stress was living in my body until the call was made and we heard it and we heard all the cheering and pots banging and everything up and down our street and it was like like I could just feel that weight lifting um of that stress and and yes you know more work to do all that but I it was absolutely amazing to me as somebody who tries sometimes with more success than others to be generally in tune with my body yeah you know like I I feel like I, I knew I was stressed I mean that was not a surprise to me but the amount of stress and the amount of stress that having 
that decision called just released on its own Mm -hmm. was surprising to me. Yeah. Um, so that and then just pure elation at, you know, like getting to, you know, we, we watched the news. We were both instead of doom strolling social media, we were joy scrolling <laughs> and, uh, you know, liking things, loving things, sharing things and just having that feeling of celebration. Yeah. Um, because it did feel like celebration, not just about um, not just about that decision, but about where we're headed and also just kind of like. Um, that that we can that we can escape this horror show that we've been in. Yeah, yeah, so many well said things. Yeah, we went uh, joy scrolling. Uh, we went for a nice walk, which I would describe as leg scrolling. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and and uh, heard a couple more people cheering, and it's so weird to hear people honk out of joy in Los Angeles. There's so much. It was <laughs> so great. Yeah, there's some people just like waving and friendly, and just saw us on the street, like honk 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 honk. Like, aren't we all? <laughs> happy like right? so weird it's like what did i do oh that person's just happy and wanted to share it with me uh yeah i think i was really aware of the the tension i was holding in my body that's such a mm-hmm. great point um i think i was really obviously the stakes of the election being just to me insanely high mm-hmm. uh but then also that just i'm glad that they were taking forever and being really really careful and, and counting the votes and making sure and i think the biden harris team did such a great job of saying like yeah no we this is exactly how we're going to govern. This is what you're voting for. Confidence, patience, control. We don't need to jump out there and get ahead of the networks, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the statisticians. We're going to wait. So I was great that all that was happening. But it was also like I felt so glued to uh, to the wonderful Steve Kornacki and his wall. <laughs> right. Eventually, like, they got to that point where, like, it was two days, like, Steve Kornacki has been saying the exact same thing about Pennsylvania for at least 36 hours, <laughs> and I can't go. What if it happens when I go to sleep? What if it gets called when I... Can we... Do we dare to watch an episode of Deep Space Nine? What if it happens while we're... Like, I felt such tension about just, like, I want to be there for the moment it happens. Yeah. And there was such a buildup to that, that yeah. there was such joy. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, the first thing was a text thread from some friends of mine. And then, you know, you saw it on your phone and then we turned on the television. And then, yeah, the the explosion of cheering on our street, yeah. you know, and, and joining in the woos. And as somebody who is both a performer, so I have that real um, extroverted side of myself, I am still somebody who is... Raised in a little bit more button-down culture, mm-hmm. that that's part of the reason I like being a performer. Is like the stage is a place where you can scream. <laughs> <laughs> that's licensed to be loud. Uh, so for me to be able to, as a human, not on stage, just join a communal woo and be like, I can do it. I have permission to right. yell outside my window and woo with mm-hmm. everyone else. Uh, that was an expression uh, of joy. And then I, I think for me. Um, I'm very much of the mindset of I totally understand some of the criticisms and concerns of Biden uh, from, I you know, some of his policies are not as progressive as I want them to be yet. Uh, there was a lot of rancor among friends of mine uh, about him getting the nomination, you know, so there's if I have felt like there's that huge caveat. Uh, and then I am also totally on board of we need Biden and Harris to be elected because this is the victory we need to have even the possibility of other victories. 
And I had felt a lot of people not necessarily being in that same mindset of like, what's to celebrate about it? We did the bare minimum. And I had kind of braced myself for the world going like, great, we did the bare minimum. We had a fascist who's also basically totally incompetent. Uh, and we we defeated an incompetent, obvious, stupid fascist. And a, a shocking amount of people still voted for him. Where's the victory? I kind of expected a little bit more of that tone. Mm-hmm. And to see our street erupt in cheers and then realize that was happening all over the country, that there were there was a dance party in the USA that bells rang in Paris, fireworks went off in London, and to feel that communal joy of, yes, the battle goes on, but we needed this win. And with that asterisk in our heart <laughs> mm-hmm. that this is just the beginning, we can, you know, enjoy this. Yeah. And then I think as the day went on, for me, just realizing, seeing on social media, everybody really getting this chance to process the joy of, hey, yep, Biden, Harris, what are their policies going to be? What's going to happen in the Senate? Let's put that to a side. We are freeing ourselves from the toxicity and the hate and the anger and the constant just grinding down of our soul. Mm-hmm. That has been happening to us. And, you know, in the evening, by the time of, of Biden's speech, I think that for me, I was just feeling that myself and seeing that reflected on social media of his Trump's policies and his competence truly physically hurt lots of people and threatened to hurt lots of people more. But how much he damaged our collective psyche mm-hmm. and just the sheer joy of whatever you think of Biden's policies he is a man who expresses love. Mm-hmm. He has a favorite poem. He has a nice doggo he likes to pet. In mm-hmm. just realizing how much of that basic humanity has been missing from our collective soul. Yeah. I made a joke on Twitter, but I really mean it of just like the hearing that, you know, a uh, medley of music at the end of the speech and realizing, and isn't it great to know that? those artists aren't (laughs) desperately going to Twitter going, we did not approve this the way every musician with the acceptance of acceptance of Ted Nugent has done to Trump. Yeah. You know, to just feel that like there is the possibility of decency. There is the possibility of hope. There's the possibility of joy. Yeah. And that we need that. Yeah. Yeah. That we're given a chance to have our humanity back. I love that. Yeah. So it's so right there with you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so uh, at the risk of damaging our joy, yeah. uh, let's deal with some of those asterisks. Yay! Um, how are you feeling about the possibility of more chicanery from Trump? Because uh, I see a oh. lot of people talking about that of like, great, we got to have this celebration. But, you know, January 20th he is when he is done one way or another. Um, and what all could he do? How much, you know, what can we be ready for? How much should we be afraid of? All that kind of stuff. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, honestly, um, I th- I think he's going to pull a lot of stuff and I, I don't think it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be fun. Um, this might be a, a November 8th moment of naivety, but I feel 
less worried about it today than I did a week ago. Um, and like I said, this might all change by tomorrow, but I feel like we as a country saw him melt down so much this week to the fact that not just cable news, but regular news cut away from his speech because it was just filled with lies. Yeah. Um, that I think, I mean, I think it'll be really interesting to see how long it takes him to move from denial and if he's just going to keep trying to throw lawsuits and call it unfair and call it fake and fixed and whatever other uh, word he wants to use. Calling it voter fraud with, well, being unable to produce any evidence of voter fraud. His campaign has been in, has had 10 court cases that have yeah. already been thrown out as we record this. Yeah. Just, it just doesn't exist. They have no evidence of it. There's no evidence they, of all it. All they have is shouting. And if they had stopped the count of legitimate real votes when they wanted them to, Biden's would have still won. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. So I think it depends a little bit on how long he stays in his current temper tantrum versus trying to get revenge. Yeah. Um, if he stays in his temper tantrum longer or just stays there, I feel like that's going to be more flailing and less legitimate damage. Yeah. What I'm worried about is revenge stage, which I think he will get to. I think other people in his administration will get to. And I think he is going to uh, do everything he can to undercut a lot of things that many of us hold dear. Yeah. So, you know, it's it. we're still in the battle. Yeah. Uh, or we're still, we're still in the war. But yeah. we had a great victory yesterday. Yeah. I think that's a, a good and healthy, like, we have to be ready. Who knows what he's going to do uh, or try to do. And then bounce that with, like, what? is actually within his power you know Mm -hmm. and uh and he always does act to benefit himself Mm -hmm. so even though he might flail for vengeance he he, it feels like he doesn't do anything unless it also benefits him yeah right yeah i would agree not that he's not just an awful spiteful person but you know he he wants something out of it yeah you know yeah um so I, i expect to see him Never give up on the idea that it was stolen and always try to sell that, mm. but also somehow pivot to, so uh, so I'm going to start my own cable company because Fox sucks too. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll still call myself president and, you know, you can tune in and I will tell you the truth. Like some weird pivot like that, which is, you know, I'm not saying is, is nothing. It's damaging. It's yeah. horrific. All of it is damaging. Um but I read a lot of really great things uh, uh, of people who have worked in other countries trying to uh, stop coups from happening. Mm-hmm. And a, one of the first things was call it a coup. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if he tried to do exactly this, just say that the the um, election is rigged, that the election is illegitimate, and he is still the president. That that has happened before. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't uh, in, in countries around the world. And that the first couple of days right after it are super vital. And the question is, if he could get enough, any wannabe dictator could get enough organizations and people to go, I don't know, it's a gray area, which are you going to go with? Then it becomes a conversation. Then it becomes a debate about legitimacy. And we can write down as many rules as we want and as many laws as we want, you know, uh, uh, and... But what ap- uh, what ultimately dictates things is what do where do people believe power lies, mm-hmm. and are they going to follow this guy? And I, the fact that everybody immediately took the mic away from him, right? Like almost literally, Twitter is is marking all of his tweets as or the the ones that they can 
are as you know this is untrue or unproven and marketing mm-hmm. them that way and networks cutting away it feels like a little bit of uh the Mike and the oxygen have been taken from him a little bit and that is not just a fun little ha ha <laughs> you know thing it, it really matters from everything I was reading from people who who research this and have been involved in this of mm-hmm. that right now there is there isn't any huge institution except for a couple of spineless senators who are supporting this utter fabrication Right. Like we didn't spend yesterday with a bunch of news shows saying, well, let's discuss the validity of his claims. Yeah. Like, well, there isn't any evidence, but maybe he has some. And should we try to look under every stone for him? And I think there was a little bit of that at the beginning of that, that uh, media in America really, really wants to be both sides. They Mm -hmm. really want to be like, well, let's really look at it from every angle. And when after years of Trump just lying, mm-hmm. they finally got to the point of like, he's lying. Yeah, There's no point in us trying to help him by seeing if maybe we could take his nonsense and BS and find a way to maybe give it some validity so we can feel like we're still covering both sides fairly. Yeah. There was none of that. Yeah. And hopefully that stands. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that honestly is part of what gave me hope for... A little bit less coming out. Um, and uh, I'll be honest, he's already done a lot of damage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and yes, I, I do not mean to belittle, you know, how much damage could still yeah. be done. Yes. And how much stress is there. Uh, but let's move on. Yeah. As we will, inevitably, because I think January 20th, one, he can he can walk out <laughs> or he can be escorted out. But he's not president Yeah. Uh, anymore. Uh, so there are these important Senate runoff elections happening in Georgia on January 5th. Uh, of course, uh, January 5th is not now, but the race is beginning mm-hmm. right now. Uh, a little bit later in the podcast, I'll read out some resources uh, to help if people want to get involved. How are you feeling about the fight for uh, control of the Senate? Like c- coming off of this presidential election, are you feeling hopeful? Are you feeling <laughs> just exhausted? Where are you at when you think about, all right, great. Time to get to work on the Senate races. Scared. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm scared. Is. Okay. <laughs> tell, um, me, th- I, tell me more. Yeah. I, do, I mean, I, I feel like I am thrilled that there even is the chance of the, the, of the runoffs. And I, am, I feel determined. I am, you know, looking forward to doing what we can do from here and trying to help fight trying to do what we can from afar to encourage um to help ensure that they are fair fights um but i i am i am scared i i admit it i mean that's i really hoped that uh the democrats would get pick up at least one more seat um on tuesday yeah that that was my my big disappointment of this week and so i both have some hope because it's not decided yet so I'm, I'm both trying to keep the hope, but I also admit I am scared. Yeah, and I think that is a good thing to be able to be honest. Um, obviously, there are different philosophies to control of the Senate, and I think a lot of people have had the philosophy or, yeah, have had the philosophy that, oh, it's fine to have a little bit of a balanced government. But I feel like what I have observed in my life <laughs> is that this particular group of Republicans led by McConnell 
we'll just block everything and nothing will get done. And then they'll have the narrative that they'll spin the narrative of like, well, what are you going to do? Politics suck. Even though they're politicians, they live, they love to say, oh, politics sucks. No one can compromise. It's awful. Mm. Mm. It, and the reality of what is happening is they will not compromise in any way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I am definitely uh, very concerned that Biden and Harris will not be able to accomplish things. And then people will blame that on them when it's really just McConnell doing what he has, you know, just objectively, truthfully done. He has blocked things. He blocks things. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. And that and that is a very good point that that is the reason why I'm scared. Like, I, I love the idea of compromise yeah and i love the idea of okay you know we're split really close the you know the election was close let's really try to work together to see what we can get done because we are supposed to be governing this country and if we're not working together and trying to pass things we are not doing our jobs is the way i see it yeah um but i feel like mcconnell and his cronies have a different version of their jobs they're to them their version of their jobs is to only do what they want and anything else is not doing their jobs and yeah. if we hadn't already had that experience with mcconnell of he won't bring anything forward even when it's his own senate like he the number of things he has not brought forward uh with a republican controlled senate the number of things he didn't bring forward um under obama like i just I think that is that is what is leading the fear. Is, right. Because that's very not, specifically. McConnell. <laughs> yeah. Because that's not having a debate. Right. No. If you know, it would have sucked if they would have brought every bill that the House put forward about uh, climate, about uh, gun violence, uh, about, you know, more relief uh, for coronavirus. If, if McConnell had brought them to the floor and they had been decisively voted down by the Republican Senate, that still would have been a bummer. But at least you could cling to some version of we're doing our job. We're yeah. standing up for our constituents. The blocking, even voting on them so they don't have to take responsibility. Yeah. Is that is not compromise. Yeah. No. That is just not doing your job. And it's not a both sides thing. He, he did that. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with uh, with your, your concern. Yes. And as you can tell from possibly the angriest I've ever sounded on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. I scared myself a little. I'll take a step back. Uh I I I get the fear. I am I am wanting to remain energized and and wanting to remain hopeful. Um, I, I wrote a bunch of letters for Vote Forward. Vote Forward is saying stay tuned that they're going to have a letter writing campaign. So I can't wait to get uh, in on that. Uh, I did a Twitter thread today about making sure you can register to vote in Georgia, and I also just think that there there is such energy from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to be this weird thing where all eyes turn to this one state because our whole government is so wonky that like everything is that comes down to these two races, mm-hmm. most likely. I also have this just um, stuff is happening in Georgia or it would not have, you know, uh, is, is this recording? Biden is still up in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And these these two Senate elections did go to runoff. Mm-hmm. And one of them was just. I know one of them was the special election that was more complicated, but the other was just which of these two people and it still went to runoff. Mm-hmm. So that, that gives me hope uh, that makes me feel energized. And that also makes me feel like as all of the political world <laughs> uh, wants to focus on Georgia, I'd like to listen to the people in Georgia who have made this much of a difference already. Oh, definitely. So I think I have a little bit of hope because it's not just like, 
out of random happenstance, suddenly this state that doesn't have this massive fight back against voter suppression and machinery in place, it, you know, it gives me faith that this battle is already happening in Georgia. Oh, this change is already happening in Georgia. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% agree. Excellent. Uh, so let's, uh, I wanted to talk about compromise anyway. That was the next thing uh, to talk about. Yay. So we've already talked about it a little bit. Uh, and there's so much discussion of it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I think my view is compromise is great. It is absolutely the ideal to be strived for. And I think in general, our culture, even even when we as individuals maybe don't succeed in compromising, our general cultural view is compromise is good. Mm-hmm. That's common sense, right? Why can't these people just, you know, stop being... Uh, uh, so, such team players and sit down and, and work together for all of us. And and I know there's some consternation because uh, that's what Biden is hoping for. That's what Biden wants to, to try for. Um, so the, we're in this really interesting place where you just talk about compromise in the utter abstract. I think people mostly agree with it when you're talking about ordering a pizza with seven people. But that's not how compromise is working in politics right now. It's not a a common sense thing. It's it's much more complicated. So we talked about it a little bit, but do you have other other thoughts about this specific moment of how to address that? How to address um, the dis- the to me the disconnect between our general cultural understanding of what compromise means versus what is literally happening in politics? Yeah, right now in America. Yeah, I mean, I think I both <laughs> I both do and I don't have additional thoughts. I mean, I think compromise is hard, especially compromise compromise on this level i mean it's a lot of people really want the things that they want and part of compromise is you don't get all the things that you want yeah Um, and i think it's hard because there are a lot of very important things that are on the line um and everybody has a different place of what they're willing to give up and what they're not so i don't think i think it's going to be hard because i think um I want people to compromise so that we can have some action because I feel like some action is better than no action. But I know that there are other people probably listening to this who do absolutely not think that and who feel like it is important to, you know, stick to your principles. And I, I mean, there's lines, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like the chance to actually move forward, um, whether it is with something like the stimulus the relief um relief package that is desperately needed by this entire country um right now during the pandemic like individuals businesses everybody yeah like everybody is hurting in at least one way (laughs) uh some in many many ways so i feel like um maybe there are times and places for compromise but i would like to see honestly i would even like to see attempt toward compromise and and like a you know we started with like as we said this is caveat city podcast but um you know i don't i don't watch i don't have videos in all the rooms i don't know what all the conversations are (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't have time to watch them if i did but um you know i know people are i would hope people are trying to have those difficult conversations but i would really like to see more of it trying to happen yeah um and i know that probably sounds hopelessly naive but you know it's it's happened before um and i believe it can happen again because because we need something to move forward 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, those are all really great thoughts. Uh, I agree with them. I think for me, what I keep coming back to is I see a lot of sort of conceptual battling back and forth uh, discussions on social media and the little bit of television we've watched about should you embrace compromise as a theory? And people get caught up in that. And I think it's, I think that the narrative uh, should be issues. Let's talk, let's stop talking about compromise as a large theory and let's talk about individual issues and let's, uh, and I would love to see that from uh, the Biden Harris administration. I would love to see that from uh, other democratic senators of here's the issue. Can we, is there a way for us to make compromise? Mm-hmm. Like I am okay. And I know I have like some progressive uh, friends who are like, no, the time for even the thought of compromise is gone all the way, you know, no, no compromise, no surrender, everything. I'm fine with a little bit of incremental change. Like that's the way I would compromise Mm -hmm. because I, I want this huge right now, big progressive change because I think that will help the most people. That's what I want. But it would compromise if it is incremental change Mm -hmm. toward larger goals. But then there are other things where like you can't compromise on things like, you know, banning people based on religion, right? Like you, yeah, and that's you're either for lines. it or yeah. you're against it. And yeah. I, I know that you were, but I think this is what, this is where we lose the conversation mm-hmm. because I think we all have different issues in our minds. And I think people who have been, who have literally had laws pile up against them and some of the politicians and some of the people on the other side are like, I don't believe you should have rights. I don't believe the government should recognize that you exist. Yeah. I think, in fact, we should make laws saying all the things you can't do. Well, there, to me, yes, there's no compromise on that. We are all equal. Mm-hmm. But that's different to me of like a stimulus package where the numbers are different. And I'm real frustrated. But there's a little bit of compromise somewhere. Like, yes. I don't want any money being given to big corporations. But if they want to put in a little bit of money into big corporations so that small businesses get it, so individuals get it, so theaters get it, uh, so, you know. So the arts continue <laughs> to exist after this. Like mm-hmm. uh, that's a compromise that like I don't I don't like. It's a fundamental problem of our structure, but it's something I could live with. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we continue to ban people for their religion. I can't live with. I cannot compromise on that, and I don't want anyone to compromise on yeah. that. And I think if we get it not towards the if the narrative stops being is compromise philosophically a good thing or a bad thing, and just go go to the issue and like. Is this an issue we can compromise on? And this is where it's so hard to create a narrative because you get in the weeds. But I want my politicians to go, here is the offer we made to meet halfway. They then said, no, come all the way our way. And so that's not meeting halfway. Yeah, That's not the beautiful ideal of compromise. It's just giving in. Yeah. And, and trying to make that narrative clear. Because I think I just sort of believe in that of like, great, I believe in compromise. So here's a good faith effort. Okay, if you're not going to take it, then real quick, we're going to go hardline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think your point about bringing it to issues rather than, um, you know, just kind of the amorphous idea of compromise. I love that because, yeah, like, like I mean, that's like why what I was saying is like, yeah, I love the idea of compromise in theory, but... There's some things where I'm willing to compromise or want my politicians to compromise and others absolutely not. But I feel like there are places where there can be compromise. Um, you know, and I, I feel like the 
the relief bill is a really good place to start with compromise. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea of more transparency and and maybe more of it's out there. Um, and this is a place to get more politically engaged. Um, and I just haven't looked and read and taken the time. And, you know, I'm happy to take some of that on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I would also love to have it be much more much more transparent, shared much more of just like, here's what we tried to do today. You know, we tried to get, you know, Medicaid cover uh, expanded in this particular direction. This is what we offered. This is what was countered. You know, these people are for it, the compromise for these reasons. These people are against it for these reasons. You know, I realize it probably all sounds way too um, boiling it down, but also in the end, you either pass things or you don't. Yeah. And so at some point it's, well, is it better to pass something that moves the dial forward? I mean, you often use the the healthcare bill example for that. And I feel like that's a great example because compromise got it onto the discussion table rather than on the theoretical dis- the table. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just so, to, yeah. Just yeah. To- so I feel like that's a great example. Yeah, and just to be like super clear on my opinion on that, I had so many uh, discussions and debates with friends at the time of you know was the ACA too incremental? Um, and yeah, I would I I think Medicare for all is the right way to go. I think we philosophically need to see our our physical mental health is is a right, and that we all support one another being as healthy as possible. Um, but it is fascinating to me to have had those debates of like. Yeah, but once people understand in a non-wonky way what, you know, protecting pre-existing conditions means, it'll be harder to take away. Mm -hmm. And I said that with some amount of political naivety, naivety, you know what I mean, Uh, (laughs) naivete, Uh, and I'm not patting myself on the back for, oh, I was right, but it is fascinating to see now where Republicans are in court (laughs) trying to strip it away, have... Uh, you know, actively voted to repeal that part of the ACA repeatedly and then are out there just straight lying to say, we would never do the thing that we are actually actively doing right now. Uh, So to to have that issue be like, well, now that you've experienced it, now that you understand it, now that it's not something theoretical, but really practical and you see it and feel it, then it makes a difference. So it gives me some amount of hope for incremental change. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, not my first choice. I like I, I was supported Elizabeth Warren. I want big bold change, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think you also said something really good too about I want to take the responsibility for uh, being more aware. Mm-hmm. But I also think it is we do elect people to represent us, and you do hope that like I did all, I did my work. I got you elected. <laughs> yeah, could you please represent me now? You know, it, it is also a very valid thing to be concerned about. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, people, I mean, it's, it is a, it is a lot of work. You go to a lot of committee meetings, you read through a lot of things, you're in a lot of discussions. That takes a lot of politicians time. And even if it were all open to the public, the public does not have time to watch all of it, decipher all of it. So I feel like a little bit more putting out things, whether it's in bullet points, like we were doing at the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> or just like a, hey, if you're interested, here's my weekly email or my month, my biweekly or monthly or whatever of like, 
hey, here are the things that are that I'm working on. Yeah. You know, and and maybe some people already do that. Yeah. But I feel like some ways to be more informed because I feel like there is a it is really difficult to find that level be between surface level. I saw a tweet, I saw a headline. But then to try to understand it, like there is some bill is like, okay, so what really like people keep having different opinions about this? What is it? So I tracked down the bill was not a super long one, read the 15 pages or whatever the bill. <laughs> um, but I was like, but I still don't quite understand like all the nuances of both sides and the other things that it's referring to. Yeah. And like, it's all deep dive stuff. And if there were a way to bring a little bit more of it to the top, I feel like, you know, uh, science has been great at that. Like, talk about a thing that is deep dive. Right. To truly understand any branch of science, whether it's, um, you know, astronomy, physics, whatever, you need some deep dive stuff. But they have done a great job at public information level educating. Yeah. And I feel like maybe we need a little bit more of that for politics, not just about elections, but about the actual workings of government and the actual, like, what are the things that are being discussed and why and why is the discussion going the way it is. Yeah, no, I I think that's great. I what I'm strangely thinking about is the utter popularity of am I the asshole? Do, <laughs> right? Do you right? Yeah. So like if any I think the vast majority of people listening are probably familiar with it, but it's the like uh you know, the pretty famous one, uh, incredibly weird one about a uh, a woman with a boyfriend who really loved eating at Denny's because it was a comfort food for him and she didn't really like it. So she went there with him and then this uh, cook wouldn't make the eggs the way he wanted and it escalated to a physical fight. And then he insisted on continuing to go back to that Denny's and the got into this weird game with the chef where the chef would never make the eggs the way he requested and they would have a fight. And it was weird, some sort of like weird ritualistic fight club. And like you read it and it's partially like, it, is this real? I mean, it's very, you know, it's, it's totally possible. It's just like it's, it's somebody typed an urban myth and it's, but the engagement that you get from laying out, here's what I thought. Here's what the other person thought. Here's what I offered. Who's the asshole? Right? <laughs> I feel like in some ways, since my opinion is that it isn't a sincere discussion of compromise going on. I think, I'm not even going to say all Republicans. I'm just going to say, McConnell and the people supporting him are using compromise as a way to to basically change the conversation. It's like, let's not talk about us not doing anything. Let's try to make it that it's really your fault for not meeting us halfway. You know, and when we say halfway, we mean abandoning all of your ideas and principles and coming all the way over to where we are. Yeah. So I think it's it's disingenuous. So I think in order for Democrats to tell that story, they could tell the am I the asshole story and let mm-hmm. people, you know, see who's the asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, thought I was going to have a more eloquent <laughs> conclusion to that. Yeah. And and ideally have there be some some backlash, some repercussions, something. I mean, unfortunately, we all we all know what McConnell is guilty of and uh, he keeps winning. So. Yeah, absolutely. But it, I, I want to... But bigger picture. Yeah, and I want to go to that just a little bit, too, because there's also this, like, much more personal discussion of compromise. And, you know, you know these tweets coming out from people saying, like, you know, what you should do today is if you voted for Biden, contact one person who voted for Trump and, you know, have empathy. Tell them that you know how you feel or, you know, try to understand where they're coming from and... And obviously, there's been lots of backlash and discussion to, for that mm-hmm. and what that means. 
And I think that is something that for me, it is also, it's, it's about issues. It is, I can have empathy for people. I can have, um, I think if I sat down with some Trump supporters and we could have a back and forth conversation, I could probably find common ground, uh, certainly about like pop culture or stuff or whatever. And, but I could also probably figure out like, Oh, you know, what do you believe, uh, that, that may or may not be true from Fox news or what life experience do you have that made you feel this way? And I could understand all of the common things that we share as humans, I could understand dreams and hopes and fears. Mm-hmm. And I could have empathy for that person. I can't have empathy for ideology. I can't have empathy for some of the issues. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this that there's that blurring of of the lines of of the difference between yeah, I understand whether I agree with it or not. I understand what it feels like to lose. I understand you truly believe that Trump is somehow the best choice for America. I understand that you believe that. I understand all these feelings. But I can't agree with you in supporting someone who has taken children away from their parents. Somebody who has gassed Americans during a peaceful protest. Like, I can't. Yeah. I can't support that. And I, I and I think it's a really, really hard line to walk. And I don't know exactly how to walk it. And I'm, I'm not claiming to have all the answers. I just think for me, again, that is a, there's a real combination of empathy is good. Compromise is good. We can pursue those values. And then on certain issues, it's a red line that yeah. can't be crossed. Yeah. And figuring out how how to... How to do that on a practical level. Yeah. To have empathy for people, to strive for compromise as an ideal, but still say there are things that there cannot be compromise on. Yeah. That's a very, very kind and humanistic thing to say. <laughs> I try to be kind and humanistic. <laughs> Not a full human, but humanistic. <laughs> I, and and I, I, mean, I, I'm, I am talking through feelings and philosophy and I, I don't want to come off as like, well, I got a solution. I don't know how to implement that no, in every no, situation. Just, Sometimes I've been able to, you know. Yeah, uh, no, but, absolutely. But it, yeah, I, I think it's, I think these are more like big hopes for how we shape the conversation. Yeah, no, I just, I meant that it's, um, it's a very acknowledging of humanity. And I think that is great. Um, and I feel like is not, I feel like a lot of my red lines have just been like, and many people's have been danced on and spat on and made fun of. And so there, so there is also that, like, I, I hear that and I want to, I absolutely hear what you're saying and the human conversations and finding issues that you can have agreement or try to understand where you have disagreement. Like absolutely people have different opinions about how the economy should work. And that, to me, that is one set of issues. Different opinions about whether or not children should be put in cages, not a thing I have a nope. lot of uh, time or tolerance for other opinions. Who gets to count as, you know, human? Nope, not going to have that conversation. Everybody gets to be counted. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, you know, I'm, 
getting overly emotional. Sorry. Uh, no, it's, um, this is a, an emotion, uh, a risk of an emotion-filled podcast. It is, it is. But I just, I also feel like there is, um, it is interesting to watch the kind of like the, um, one of the reactions that I saw, honestly, a lot yesterday, and I was very happy to see, is a lot of people pushing back against that concept, saying, we hear you. But nobody's reached out to me for the last four years. In fact, you've made fun of me or actively pushed against me. So now that you're on the other side, why am I supposed, I mean, I, why am I supposed to do the thing or not? And yes, I know the big, be the bigger human, all of that. And I, I try to live my life that way. But I think we all collectively also need a day or two to be able to celebrate that the part the candidates who are pushing for inclusivity won. Yep. Uh, that is a great uh in firm and important statement that you made. <laughs> but that is true. That is true. And there's already that spin of like this was razor thin. Like no it wasn't. It, it, the last time I looked he's Biden was up by 5 million in the popular vote he, uh, it, by the end it's going to be a decisive electoral college victory yes a lot of people voted for trump yes a lot of uh, republican senators uh were elected yes the, the democrats lost seats in the house there's a lot to work out but this was not some like who is america like no we we won mm -hmm. uh the, the the side of inclusivity won yeah uh and, and very much specifically uh for president for president, yes. Yep. The the side of inclusivity is who I mean when I say we. <laughs> the inclusive we uh, one. Yeah, I think that's that's why I'm fascinated in, in uh, spending so much time on in these issues of compromise and 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 for empathy and forgiveness because I feel like I see they they all get conflated, and I I like to try to pull them apart. And I think there's also for me like there's that there's that picture going around of the a, a couple of people at a Trump rally with the F your feelings mm, yep. shirt. And there's the whole, why should I, you know, why should I reach out to them? And in fact, F them. They said that to me, I'll say that to them. And that, and like, I totally understand that. But then for me, there's like, okay, well, then when, when do we ever get off this cycle? Yes. If the, if the response to F your feelings is F your feelings back, totally understandable, not, trying to take that away from anybody. Uh, and, and then there's the the side of like, we'll reach out to those poor Trump supporters. And I think what's missing in that conversation about like true interpersonal, how do we heal? Not how does the Senate work, you know, mm -hmm. but true interpersonal, how do we heal as as, as individuals who, who have to interact with one another? If If my position is... I understand you disagree with me, but I would really like a higher minimum wage because I think it will help you. I would really like as well as me, and mm -hmm. I want us both to do well. If you get cancer, I don't want you to go bankrupt. If I started from that position and saying, I understand that you might disagree, but here's what I want, and that's and here's why I want it. And that person responded by saying, F you and F your feelings. I don't then, then yes, of course, I'm upset. And what that person would need to do, if it were, if that were literally interpersonal, mm -hmm. what that person would need to do is apologize to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would absolutely forgive them yeah. and we could get off the cycle. And I think I've seen some of that on social media, but I think we're missing that of like, we kind of all 
uh, we don't all know. Uh, I think there is a cultural perception of like, yes, when somebody is has been really vicious toward you, you can choose not to interact with them. And then if they come to you and say, I'm sorry, I was vicious. Can we try again? That's where forgiveness comes in. Yeah. You yeah, know, absolutely. And I, and I want to be very clear. I'm, I, that is the side for myself that I want to try to be on is moving forward. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I feel like we need to reach out, um, to people, uh, when we've had an argument, if you're the one in the wrong, it's up to you to reach out and figure out how to move forward. Yeah. And not that this is even entirely right or wrong, but I'm just going off of your example of, you know, if I was mean to you, <laughs> you didn't say it about me. Um, <laughs> you have never said F your feelings to me, which I really appreciate. Yeah. yeah I don't think I ever will either. Um, you've never said it to me, just to be clear. Yeah. Um, no, I, I really, I think that is an, a nuanced $10 word, uh, as in <laughs> one of my favorites. Um, I think that is a great nuance. And and I think, honestly, that comes back to it. I'm just going to get on my little nuance high horse um, for a second. I'm having so much fun picturing a really nuanced horse. <laughs> I, I, I have been pleased how much in the last few days I have seen people try to have a headline only, one tweet only argument. And then they're like, but here's the thing. <laughs> like pretty much all of life, there's nuance. Yep. And if you want to actually take the time to think about something, to talk about something, to interact with humans, not with one sentence bullet points of the ideas, there's nuance. Yeah. And I feel like we all need to get a lot more comfortable with nuance. We need to get a lot more um, comfortable having nuance shared with us. It's great to have headlines it's great to have things that grab you and make you want to read more or hear more or watch more. But I think we also need to learn that the headline is not the full story. Yep. The headline is the attention grabber and may not be even the story. As and the many headline of might have spin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A big amount of spin to it. As we all know from our writing classes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to, Throw my nuance grenade in here. Oh, I like you writing as your uh, nuance war where you're on a nuance horse with nuance grenades. Who knows how the nuance grenade will explode? <laughs> it does explode, but in lots of different ways That's right. that we should consider. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about this is just I think um, I, I know there are many, many, many different opinions about all this stuff that, that we're talking about. There's a ton of nuance and, and there are a ton of people who have been affected directly yeah. by what has happened in the last four years, and I understand people feeling extremely raw, extremely angry, nowhere near empathy. Yep. Uh, I, I understand that. Um, and, and I understand that, unfortunately, there are people who are, are have kind of bought into a different set of facts, a different reality that Trump provided with literal different facts. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it feels different from them in, inside it and all that. But I think the the thing that I was building towards is there's the it, there's an obvious hypocrisy argument to be made when people who made it a part of their slogan, a part of their political mission is no safe space for snowflakes. F your feelings. Now, please reach out to us and give us two to three weeks and ask us what we want and what we feel. It's obvious. It's obvious hypocrisy. But I think 
when I then translated that away from the interpersonal to the let's move forward, let's get things done, let's unify, is when has a hypocrisy argument made a difference? Yep, you can you can win that argument. You will be correct. Will it help? Like, I, I feel like we just went through that with the, the Supreme Court, the, yes. the epitome of it, with Lindsey yes. Graham saying, use my words against me, and they didn't matter. Yeah. They, they, it, uh, you, he is a walking, he, I was going to call him a walking hypocrisy, but that's called a hypocrite. <laughs> he is an obvious hypocrite on his hypocrite horse with hypocrite grenades. He's yes. a hypocrite. Yeah. It did, the, that didn't stick. That didn't make a difference. So that's, I think, why I feel passionate about Let's just get to the issues and let's make it about the issues to move forward on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with the issues. I, I still need some time. (laughs) (laughs) Not enough to snowflake way, but just in a like, but I think, um, and this came up from. If I could just throw in, in here, because I do, uh. I do want to take ownership for my own personality perspective. I think I am a person who I, the way that I feel better is by hope in forward movement. And, and I, I thank you for checking me because I think sometimes that makes me feel better. And I think sometimes I'm at risk of, of, of moving too fast and that, and not, not being more sensitive to people who need time to be angry and to be sad. The way that I get past those is by, by trying to move forward to the hope to the solution and and i am at risk of bulldozing people so i apologize for that oh i do not feel bulldozed toward myself (laughs) uh just to be clear um and i think i think it's really good to i mean this the past four years have affected a lot of people and in a lot of different ways and i think people are going to need different ways to recover and i think that is a very important thing to to understand and i include in that people who still voted for Trump and, you know, were also damaged by him and maybe more than they realized. And I think it's going to be really um, a tough road ahead for a lot of people. Yeah, maybe that. And that is maybe the most important thing to just acknowledge how tough the road is. Yeah. Yeah. And that said, I am happy to, you know, (laughs) people reach out hands or walking in the same direction. I'm happy to Take hands and keep walking in that direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to, you know, stomp on anyone's hands. I'm not going to make them fall off the cliff. Uh, other than one or two politicians who already <laughs> talked about. Um, yeah. yeah. I had another point to that, but I lost it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I no, 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 you uh, did not. I, I lost it with my uh, stomping on people's hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would like to electorally stomp on some people's hands and, <laughs> and make them fall off the political cliff, not an actual yes, physical yes, cliff. Yes. Very, yes. Very good. <laughs> I am not advocating violence yeah. in any way. Just um, yeah. having strong feelings about some people who've done a lot of harm to a lot of people. Yes. And that, I think that is incredibly legitimate. That's not the like, well... I'm team blue and I'm team red and and we need to, you know, we get, you know, seven cookies and we need to decide how to split them. It's not that. It's you hurt people. Yeah. Really badly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So one of the last things I wanted to talk about here is, is we've already talked about a little bit with the, uh, the theoretical, am I uh, the asshole of politics? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But it is, you know, research knowledge, a fact that people are not persuaded by facts. They are persuaded by emotions and stories. 
which is funny then because you have to tell people a story to make them believe that fact. <laughs> that is right. how people's minds are changed. What do you think is the right story or emotion to tell for some of the important issues to you? Like, wow, when you when you know, if you have these kinds of daydreams of like, this is the story that people need to hear about the climate crisis or voting rights or, you know, any number of issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I just need to tangent for a second to say I just find that so fascinating because people um, on the right so often complain about, oh, the left and all the Hollywood people. <laughs> it's like, then we should always be winning if we're all the storytellers. <laughs> but we're not. Um, I mean, I, well... I mean, for a climate crisis, I don't feel like you need stories. Uh, this, I mean, I don't feel like you need fiction. The stories are out there. Right. Um, take a look at, I um, attended a great nature, virtual nature um, film festival um, in September, uh, the Nature Track Film Festival. And a bunch of the films that I happened to watch, um, not even on purpose, were about the Arctic and about all sorts of different um, aspects of it. And not even ones that were necessarily supposed to be about climate change. But then when you're talking about this settlement and then the people say, well, my house used to be there. But then 10 years ago, there was um, a really big ice melt and a big the tide came in. And when the tide came in, it was two feet from my house instead of 50 feet from my house. And so we had to move our house like that night so it didn't fall into the ocean and that's and, a great one because that's almost like kind of nightmare like that's a nightmare right? you could have of like i have to keep moving my house because you know death is creeping closer to it yeah yeah and this isn't fun ocean this is arctic ocean <laughs> <laughs> there you go you can't just There's move the on narrative. into the water <laughs> we so, are losing all of our fun oceans <laughs> <laughs> um so i feel like um there's there's so many amazing stories and photos um, already out there for the climate crisis in particular. And I think part of that is getting people to watch them, look at them, understand how their actions have an emphasis, and then finding out what you can do instead. Yeah. Like, I think there's both the um, uh, make people aware of the issue, which hopefully more and more people are aware of the issue as we have, you know, more hurricanes than what we've ever had in a year before. Um, but then there's also how do you make quick, decisive change that actually helps? Yeah. Um, so I got totally on a tangent with that. And I'm my mind is swimming with documentaries about the Arctic. <laughs> um, so I feel like I mean, certainly I feel like there's so many compelling stories. And it's maybe both how to get people to watch them, but also what are the, to what you were saying of like, what are the action steps that you take to move forward? It's not just the story, but what are the steps that people, people and politicians, all of us together, or politicians as representatives of the people, what are the steps? Yeah. And I feel like that is maybe the connecting point that we need even more. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I like it. But but I and I, I recognize what you're saying is like the stories are out there. How do we get them to people? How do we, you know, make people feel them? How do we connect them to people's lives? And how do right? they cause change? And how do they cause change? How do how they, they cause action? Right. How do you this story made me feel X, so I hit the button for X. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like you see a thing, you see 
something about all of the um, animals that are, you know, washing up on shore with way too much plastic inside of them. And you, at least for a little while, try to be more conscientious about your plastic consumption. Or if you're like me, you hold on to certain types of plastic for way too long because you don't know where to recycle them. Yeah. Um, And so that's like, that's a small thing, but for all of the bigger problems, like what are the, you see the issue and then what are the changes that both a person can the actions that a person can take, but also what are the larger actions that our politicians we have elected to represent us that they can take on a large scale that we just plain can't as individuals. Yeah. And maybe that is part of it of like, just we need that almost more incremental storytelling uh, because that that's a big part of the battle. And it was, it's a, a long discussed thing, but I read a couple threads about it uh, just today about a part of the challenge of politics is blunt fear-based storytelling works really well it it is it's a timeless tool of authoritarianism and trump you know unleashed it incredibly successfully of the others are coming for what is yours right and that's a simple simple easily understood story that you tell in a sentence and you get an emotional reaction and people want to hit the x button to stop that from happening Mm -hmm. or what i think a lot of the fantasy of trump is is any, I say what I think is true, and if anybody disagrees with me, I tell them I'm wrong, and I, you know, metaphorically or literally hit them. Mm-hmm. And like the whoa, the freeing simplicity of that <laughs> is, you know. So I think the challenge is when you are the best person in the world to say this to right now is nuance is the truth. <laughs> you know, Yay! I started this by going. Let's not just read the headline. Let's read the article. But then the challenge is we kind of need some headlines. Yeah. Because that's how we tell stories. So then how do you tell stories without oversimplifying, without, you know, um, making something kind of pat and cute yeah. and, and insincere, right? Right. So I, that, I think that's a real challenge to think about of like maybe we need to tell bite-sized narratives I about think, specific parts of issues. I think that's great. Yeah. We can... I think everything should be, yes, I'm not even going <laughs> to, I was going to make a joke that wasn't even a joke. Uh, <laughs> yes, bite-sized narratives I think is great. I think it's also great to think about, and maybe this is a good part thing for us in our politically more active future to think about, because there's, you know, right now we're very focused on like the the top-down approach. Yeah. You know, we're, we're talking about the presidential election, we're looking at the Senate, but also, you know, some things come top-down. And as much as I just said, like, you know, I can only make so much change on my climate change footprint, or I can only personally do so much for homelessness in Los Angeles. I, as an individual, am not going to be able to solve it. But also, what are the things that we can do on a local level? Yeah. And which things can swell from, instead of top down, come from the bottom up? And, you know, like, I feel like that's certainly a big one for, um, if not exactly climate change, but like, Different cities are certainly taking a lot of very interesting approaches, and it's a good way to, you know, experiment with different things, and then the good ideas can be rep- reproduced and shared. I mean, honestly, even like you know, Massachusetts had healthcare for Massachusetts before we all got healthcare. It's yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like there's it, it's interesting to be like, where can we be involved both nationally but also locally, and what where can where where are the bite size stories uh that we're creating for you uh the bite-sized headlines that tell the story when are they best launched as 
national nuance grenades versus local nuance grenades. Yeah, I think that is some tie it all together. Excellent grenade talk. Yeah, and I think for me, maybe uh, I think it is going on. I think people like uh, like AOC are doing a, a good job of it and, and are talking out about trying to get other people to do a, a better job of it. Of like, tell stories of hope. Yeah. Of tell stories of joy. Tell stories of, and that that's the thing for me. Of like, let's let's shift away from uh, uh, narratives of combat to narratives of I think this would be great for both of us I would love to feel this joy wouldn't you love to feel this joy mm-hmm. and you know fear is always going to be easier you know it's, I, I won't bang on about Star Wars but it is why I go back to it that that philosophy of the light versus the dark when you know in Empire Strikes Back when Luke Skywalker asks Yoda is the dark side more powerful and Yoda says no quicker easier more seductive I just feel like that is true of the human condition yeah fear and anger are faster and easier and sometimes feel better but man yesterday as we record this joy and hope and unity and dancing in the streets like ewoks felt damn good too sure did and if we can tell stories that like i want to hit the x button to dance like an ewok again instead of i want to hit the x button because somebody's trying to take something from me yeah you know that is i think the great political game I think that's wonderful, and I'm going to change my nuance grenades to nuance rainbows. <laughs> nuance rainbows. Yeah, because there's also double rainbows yesterday in Los yeah. Angeles, which like, wow, gilding the lily. Right, <laughs> right. And like pretty full rainbows in terms of, you know, like the semicircle version. Um, but yeah, I, I like nuance rainbows. They connect people. <laughs> uh, they, they like they sprinkle nuance and... throughout. Like you don't know exactly where they're going to go and... What's in what's in the orange? What's in the indigo? Yeah. Who knows? Who is Roy G. Biv? <laughs> well, don't just believe the headlines. Um, so uh, I want to begin to wrap up here. Uh, you know, it's a hard balance. Uh, people do obviously need a break from politics. I understand that, especially if they're really acrimonious, which is another way that I feel like if we can find ways to make them less combative and more about Hey, we we want everybody to be doing better. How do you feel we could do better? Oh, I don't entirely agree with that, but we're at least we got the same goal, so we're pointing the same like that's my dream. I know it's so very hard to accomplish, but you know, let's have some hearty discussions about how to get to the common goal. And I know we're not at that place yet, uh, so I don't want to come across as as it's so easy. So uh, I hope for that. Mm-hmm. I hope by talking about them more, it's less like Politics is a scary thing that we have to take out of the closet every two to four years or or every time there's a massive emergency. But just yeah. keep it a little bit more present and it be and we all become a little bit more knowledgeable and it all becomes a little less scary. Yeah. Uh, while still leaving ourselves times we're like, yep, no, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this for the day. I need to focus on other things. Uh with that said, I wanted to ask you my final question. Mm-hmm. What do you think can be fun about talking about politics? Ooh. Well, I mean, joy, dancing, nuance <laughs> rainbows. Um, I mean, I, f- I think that's a great point is some to me. I mean, some of politics should be about the optimism, right? The hope. Yeah. It should be about the what can we do to make our city better, our state better, our country better? What can we do to help other people? What can we do to make things better for ourselves? That is such a hopeful and optimistic goal and if we can really try to look at it from that perspective or say 
hey, we're looking at this. This is the way that we've always done it or somebody else did it, but it's not really working anymore because you know what? We have cars and buses now instead of horses and carts. So let's look at what we can do. And, you know, I feel like treating it as what can we do to make things better, treating it as something is not necessarily this. I I only sometimes agree with what I'm about to say, like (laughs) uh, that you innovate things um, rather than having things be like a hard line in the sand. And that's right. Some things I do kind of want to be at least a semi line in the sand. Um, But again, if it's um, I'm I'm always going to be on the side of inclusion. Um, and so if it is the line in the sand needs to expand to be more inclusive, then I'm all for that. Yes. Just to be clear. Excellent. Nuance grenade. <laughs> Nuance rainbow. <laughs> Went right over that line. <laughs> um, so I feel like that maybe is a good way to to look at it is to look at the perspective of what do we want to be better and how can we have it be better? Because to me, that is an optimistic outlook. That is a positive conversation. That's a fun brainstorm until you have to get into the nitty gritty and then maybe some parts of the nitty gritty are a little bit tougher or have hard decisions but it's coming from a place of hope and inspiration mm-hmm. rather than a place of fear and despair yeah i think that's great finding finding ways to make it about hope and finding ways to make it fun uh some of the memes yesterday my god <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the, i mean the it, some some are definitely angry and again i understand there's a lot of anger and, and uh, I think I, under, I understand. Um, but like, <laughs> there's the meme of the, the, this is fine dog, uh, you know, who is surrounded by fire, <laughs> not quite coping with the reality. There's a meme of, I don't know what it's from, but live action, slow-mo firefighter bursting out of the flames, carrying the, this is fine dog <laughs> away from the flames. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it's a, polit- and that's not like getting down to the nitty gritty of policy, but you know, it's an example that these things can be, is a reminder, this is silly, but it, you know, things like that and things about the way the kind of conversation uh, or the celebration was happening Yesterday is just a reminder of politics can get really deep. It can get really in the weeds. You, you, you kind of do have to be an expert to truly deeply read and understand every bill, all those things. But at the end of the day, it's not this far away thing. It's how we decide who we want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the laws and the rules and the people in power decide who who we are and what we believe in. And I think finding ways to return it to you don't have all the power, but you have part of the power. And what do you believe? The world isn't set in stone. We don't just get born. We get taught the rules and that's it. You're done. That's a part of what makes America amazing is we can strive toward something different. We can strive toward something better. If it's doesn't, if it's not working, we can try to tweak it. What do you want it to be? Mm -hmm. And just sharing that feeling like, (laughs) I could be the firefighter who pulls the this is fine dog out. <laughs> so right. yeah, having having some fun in empowering yourself, I think is great. Yeah, that's great. And on the issues where I think where we are already pointed in the same direction, like, cause I think it is, that is different where like it, it, your, your nuance about lines of uh, in the sand <laughs> of like, yeah, the, this kind of person shouldn't be able to vote. This kind of person shouldn't be allowed to serve in the military. Like, no, that no, no room for compromise for me. Yeah. Uh, but in things where we're pointed in the direction and I disagree about how to get there, 
there can be such joy in listening and learning mm-hmm. uh, when, when we can stop it being combative. Um, and this is the final thing I'll say because it, it just kind of ties up a lot of the things I care about. There's this video going around, a short video that's edited from a long, longer conversation of Stacey Abrams ranking Star Trek. Uh, And I think about this stuff a lot because I spend a lot of time talking about uh, pop culture. And my hope has been that maybe we talk about pop culture so much that maybe if we could reshape the way we talk about something like pop culture, maybe that could help us have a better national dialogue about important things. And it's not a surprise that Stacey Abrams would be a a master communicator. But in that video, she was just like doing (laughs) the things that I think are really important. So like ranking stuff often bothers me because it's like, hey, great. You want to rank the MCU movies? It's a that's a fun thing to just do hanging out, you know, with friends. It's a fun, jokey thing to do. But on the Internet and as more of our identity sometimes gets tied up in pop culture, it can quickly become I'm right Doctor Strange is absolutely at the bottom. Or, no, I'm right. Doctor Strange is number two in the list of MCU. And I'm right. Or you're wrong. And that's just so limiting and unhelpful. So when I saw that there was a ranking of Stacey Abrams ranking her favorite Star Trek television shows, um, at first I thought it was just going to be kind of a little bit of this cute thing that we have sometimes, like a politician who likes Star Trek. Cute. You know? Mm -hmm. But it was so substantive because what she did is she showed... A lot of knowledge. She kind of broke down the essence of what the shows were about. Uh, so she said, I really like this show because of this, this, and this. That makes it unique. Mm-hmm. So there's this command of knowledge. Uh, but then she shared her subjective viewpoint. She put DS9 lower on the list because she articulated that Deep Space Nine is a very political show. And she has a lot of polit- politics in her day-to-day life. So she doesn't enjoy it as much as uh, some people because it's not as good escapism for her it's Mm -hmm. more like her day-to-day life and it's kind of fun and kind of funny but it's so important because it's combining knowledge and evidence from the thing that you're discussing with the validity of subjectivity right and then toward the end of it the interviewer uh is saying like well what do you think of this criticism that star trek is getting all kind of jj abramsified and it's all like big high stakes and explosions and sexy and she's like well you know that's uh a lot of people are, you know, come to this, come to Star Trek from a movie perspective and want those big moments. And I know you told me you're a fan of uh, the movies. Uh, so there are those movie moments in, in modern Star Trek. But there's also still all of this nuance and, you know, small moments and moments where characters get to fail. And like, so she basically said, I see where you're coming from. I don't agree. But let me open the door for you to see it my way. And if you just want to watch the movies, that's fine. But if you want to try it more, come on in. And it was just, there's just so much about it that it is having a real appreciation of the difference between subjective and objective and saying, saying why you like something or why you dislike something and having somebody else respond with their subjective reasons opens a door. Mm-hmm. And I'm right, you are wrong. <laughs> The best Star Trek film is Star Trek V, period. That slams a door on conversation. <laughs> right. Right? And on the, even the possibility. So it was, that was just really, that was a fun thing for me. Yeah. So there's a politician, a master communicator, obviously, but somebody who is also like really a master of 
I'm going to tell you my opinions, and they are mine, and my opinions, uh, I own them. I'm not being wishy-washy, but there's room for discussion. Mm-hmm. That was nice. I love that. It was fun. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, do you want to make a noise to sum up your obsession with <laughs> staying political? <laughs> Is it just a long, deep sigh? Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Mine will be, woo, the noise Aww. I made. Out the window. Uh, I don't think we need to do uh, obsessed ratings because uh, I think this is a thing that it is necessary for us to be obsessed about right now. Yes. Just just for uh, clarity, I am, uh, for the people not sitting here in this room with us, I am shaking my head. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, saying that we, I, it is, it's good. It's important. And I don't have a need to rate myself. Did you want to rate yourself? I don't want to pretend. Mm, no. I mean, I, I think right now as of today, I'm on a 10. And, but I think the honesty is, some days I need to be on a five for my mental health, but mm-hmm. I want to have more days where I'm on a 10 because I want to be more engul- involved. Yeah. I want to be more engaged. Uh, and we'll see how I do. It's a goal and we'll see if I get there. Goals are good. Goals are good. Uh, here are some quick plugs for the show before our final questions. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me and uh, not usually that much political content. We'll see what happens in the future. Usually it's pictures of trees and stuff uh, on Instagram at Scream Street. Scream Street. Yeah, but trees are a reminder that climate matters. Sure are. (laughs) Every tree is political, really, right? (laughs) Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on upcoming events and comedy albums and stuff like that, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And I wanted to share some information about those upcoming uh, runoff Senate elections in Georgia. The deadline to register in Georgia, if you live there and you are not registered, is December 7th. You can go to registertovote.sas.ga.gov. Uh, you can also just Google the candidates' names to directly research them or maybe support them. It is Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. And, of course, you can get a jump on these Senate races in 2022 because that's actually coming up real fast in the grand scheme of things uh, by uh, visiting itstartstoday.senate. This is a place where you can start doing a small monthly donation, automatic uh, donation, every month to the eventual Democratic nominees for Senate in 2022. So those are the some of the action items. We talked about bullet points. Those are some bullet points that I thought were helpful. Fantastic. Excellent. We are on to our final questions. If you could have a lifetime supply of pizza, but you could never change the toppings, what toppings would you choose? Oh. Okay. So I was just going to say cheese. I thought you might, but is there nuance? Well, there's a question. (laughs) Can I add my own toppings to the pizza? Yeah. Look, you just found an amazing solution. Because then I can be like... Today I feel like olives. Tomorrow I feel like artichokes. Yeah. Next day I just want some basil. That's great. Just deliver me my free blank canvas of a cheese pizza and I will paint a new portrait on it. There we go. (laughs) And I will eat the pizza portrait. Oh, man. Uh, Holiday season is beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Whether we like it or not, it's happening. Time moves. It really does. Uh, If you could see any animal dance the (gasps) nutcracker, what animal would you want to see dance a part of the nutcracker. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Um, I wasn't wow. sure in the wind up there. That's so, I thought you were going to say gross. <laughs> oh, seriously? No, I'm so excited. I mean, my so the, I'm 
Yeah. <laughs> Left me speechless. Sometimes things are too exciting. They are words. Um, I I I live with you, and there's a squirrel behind your shoulder. Uh, not a live squirrel, a small squirrel. Um, and so I, my immediate reaction was squirrel. Oh yeah. Because wouldn't that be fun? Oh, like think yeah. about a whole. Is it one squirrel acting out the whole thing? Sure. Like, why not? Like I do, and then the comes like, and then this happens, and then the mice go like this, and then the things go like oh, this. Oh yeah. And then, like that's that some great would be energy. So fun. Yeah. Um, I would also really love to see like if I were able to see kind of an underwater ballet of it, um, a troupe of narwhals <laughs> doing like the snowflake scene. <laughs> Uh, underwater narwhal snowflake dance yep god that's beautiful right yeah okay well i mean that is happiness but <laughs> as we wrap up this uh this podcast that i think put us both through the emotional ringer uh in a good way mm-hmm. what is happiness happiness is finding what brings you your nuance rainbow <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect answer for this episode <laughs> thank you very much for listening that is our podcast You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So here's another political engagement question that I meant to ask you. Yeah. We were lucky to go to a, a interesting place to vote. We went to the Pantages Theater and voted in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And we got kind of traditional I voted stickers. And then we got Hamilton I voted stickers. Mm-hmm. So if you could get any kind of interesting bizarre i voted sticker what kind of i voted sticker would you want Ooh, like what would be on it yeah like you know the way we got we got a pretty traditional one but then we got hamilton it's a yeah. hamilton i voted sticker there's no doubt about it that's what it is yeah okay can i choose two sure because <laughs> that's what i'm doing for everything i want a um saturday night fever <laughs> I voted sticker, which is going to be pretty similar to the Hamilton one, which is why I almost didn't say it. Um, oh, I totally forgot. Oh, and then I want one that's like um, a Jane Austen style sticker. That is something like, you know, like the like, oh, it is a f- truth universally known that when one votes, one receives a sticker or something. To that effect. <laughs> this, just that gives me so much hope for our future. <laughs> thinking about the Jane Austen and Saturday Night Fever I voted stickers in our future. 